the uh, ninth feast, I believe we've been keeping this together. Appreciate Terry's sermonette, which I think maybe it'll fit in. There's one fear that uh, Terry didn't bring out, and that's the fear of being able to speak. <laughs> We're standing in front of a group of people and know that you have a responsibility to say the right things and not the wrong things, and sometimes it's easy to At least I find it's easy to open your mouth just to change feet. (laughs) But God has brought us here, and the feasts to me are very, very important. Uh, I know in my last sermon, I was bringing out how the feasts are a time that we spend in fellowshipping with God. And I think in fellowshipping with God, we learn to fear God that way. And so... I strive to show that it's important not only to be at services and to take part and be alert and awake, but also to fellowship one with another because Christ, remember, He told us what you do to the least of my brethren, you do it to me. So if we're fellowshipping with each other, then we are fellowshipping with Christ and the Father. I got a quote here, and I I wrote down during Terry's sermon, sermonette, uh, why don't we fear God? I mean, why why is there problems that arise that keep us from having this true, deep fear, this true, deep respect for our God? So I'm going to read you a quote. Uh, This quote is taken from a... uh, an article that was talking about one of the parables. And it goes on, one thing that we can extract from the parable, and that's the parable of the sower, is that we have never in any generation of man been so close to the creation of men and so distant from the creation of God. And here at the Feast of Tabernacles, that's something to really give it a thought. We are so close to the things that we as people create and have pulled ourselves so far away from God. You know, David was out there and he watched sheep. And Bill's been going through sermonettes on uh, the shepherd. And David really learned the importance of shepherding sheep and how important it is to nourish and take care of them. He goes on in this... Quote, we are surrounded by concrete, steel, glass, plastic, rubber, and all the things that men make. And we are very rapidly losing touch with the things that God has made. Why is David able to write all those psalms? Because he was so close to the Creator. He actually respected the God. But when we, in our life, in this time... We find places that are more interesting. And I can remember back in the Feast of Tabernacles for years. We tried to find places that would occupy our time. And what did that do? It actually pulled us away from the respect of God, didn't it? To really fearing God. It was always something to see so many people so hot to leave services. Right after a sermon, even before the the closing prayer, because they had so many other things. Like it says here, we were so surrounded by 
the things that mean more to us, the things we've created. Here we have a better opportunity, don't we? I wake up in the morning, I walk out of my back porch, and I see the mountains, and I can think. And I ask myself, what was it like when these mountains were heaved up, these valleys brought low? What was it like to look out here and create rain, create an ocean, and command all these things to be done? goes on in a quote, Our minds tend to focus automatically on what we are surrounded by. Is that true in your life? Do you focus on the things that you are surrounded by? I, that does it to me. Maybe you're different than I am. But if I'm surrounded by the wrong television programs or the wrong attitudes and stuff, that's the way you focus on those things. And like I said, David always focused on God. And so he wrote so many psalms and so encouraging to, to teach us. Today, we are not walking behind a mule or plow and the ground and uh, listening to the birds, planting seeds, watching them come up. You know, some of us do that in the garden, so we plant the seeds. Isn't it interesting to watch the seeds come out of the ground? But the majority of the people don't have that opportunity, do they? They're not surrounded by that. Um, and produce of, uh, the pro a product of what God has made possible by his law and by the fact that he continues to provide for his creation. That's what our Father does. He's constantly aware of all this. But we live in a society today that tends to pull us contrary to that. It goes on and says, And he being brings forth the fruit. If we do not have contact with God's creation, we are very rapidly beginning to have our minds surrounded by the things and or the things that we've created, and we are then cast adrift because we pay more attention to the things we've created. You know, we could almost end there because this is the port of the Feast of Tabernacles. We're here to learn to love our God. So why then do we have eight days? Because God wants us to focus on him, the more we're focused on God, like Terry brought out, the more we can respect our God. The more we can actually fear our God. The right fear. Fear to learn to do things his way. In John chapter 17, Christ's final prayer, he knew the next day he was going to die. John 17 verse 9 says, I pray for them. See where his mind was? Where God's, our God, God with us, Christ? I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which you have given me, for they are yours. His mind was on what the Father wanted to do. His mind is what God was doing. And all mine are 
yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Because he taught them how to respect their God. And so he was glorified because he did the job he was given to do. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep you through your own name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. That's what God wants. We had the sermon last week talking about how all the feast days relate toward marriage. Fantastic. You know, I never thought about that before. I've known that through the scriptures from Genesis through Revelation, it talks of unity. And marriage is a keynote all the way through when two people come together to become one. And so through that sermon, it really emphasized the fact of what God is doing. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those that you have given me, I have kept. And none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be full, fulfilled. And now I come to you, and these, I, uh, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in them. And I have given them your word. Christ says, I gave them the words that you gave to me. And the world has hated them. And does it not have, we have not difficulty today if we follow God's way, if we are striving with our heart to keep everything he's told us to do. People look down on you. Because they are not of the world, even as I am not in, uh, even as I am not in the world. I pray not that you should take them out of the world. Isn't that something? That Christ said, don't take them out of the world. They have too many things to learn. Don't take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil. If we are so surrounded in our minds and our attitudes with the world, how is it for us? How hard is it for us to put our minds in the right thing. So at the Feast of Tabernacles, eight days we are to surround ourselves with God, with the messages He gives, with the surrounding situation, the way we, we relate one with another, if we focus in on what God has. And He points it out that they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. We are not of this world. We are of God. We have a responsibility to learn His way. There are times past that those that began to hear the actual word never slept. They stood up and heard the message brought to them for hours. But sometimes we're so surrounded by this society and this way of life that it's difficult. It's difficult to focus on God. And it's difficult to really have the true fear of our Creator. So we are here to learn to fear God, aren't we? And as Zechariah fourteen sixteen says, to worship the King, the Lord of hosts. If we were to go before 
a king today? Would you take it haphazardly? Would you take it, oh hum, I'll be there? I know I've been opportunity to hear some people speak and, and sometimes I just can't stay awake. But if we were to go in front of a king or a ruler of this nation or this world, would we fall asleep? Would we take it haphazardly? No, we probably wouldn't in fear that somebody would either wrap you on the head or take you out or whatever or put you in jail. Why is it then that we're so laxed in our fear toward our Creator? We're here to learn to worship the King, the Lord of hosts. When we do that, we will have that proper fear, won't we? 2 Timothy 3. We are told in 2 Timothy 3. Yes, verse 12. Yes, and all that will live godly in Emmanuel Christ, the Christ, shall suffer persecution. (laughs) If we're going to live godly, we're going to be persecuted. No fear about that. That's going to happen. You just have to take it. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Because they're not, or do not have that proper respect for God. They don't understand God. But continue you in the things which you have learned and have assured of, knowing of whom you have learned them. Who do we hear all these things from? Over the years, when I started in the church, we were excited. But it became a lack of true respect for my God. At least I did. And began to take it more laxed, more easy. Oh, go to church. Yeah, I made church services. Maybe it was hard-headedness. I made sure I never missed a service. Maybe that was just hard-headedness. And became laxed and we became so entrenched in the world with the things I was surrounded by. I'm sure that you had the same problem. But... God gave us a wake-up call. I feel He gave me a second calling. When I heard uh, Mr. Armstrong back in the 60s, I thought, wow, where have I been all my life? Why didn't I hear this before? And then I heard the minor prophets again, and I thought, I didn't hear that before. Oh, I've read the minor prophets, but I hadn't heard that before. It was so exciting, I couldn't get enough. We're now here nine years later. Are we beginning to say, maybe we have another 20 years, or 15, or 10, or 50? And so we become a little bit more relaxed. Are we beginning to lose that deep desire to be led by God's Spirit. Are we beginning to say, well, it didn't come this year. I remember in 72, we coming close to 72 and there was no airplane sitting on the runways. You know, we talked about all flying over to Petra and we kept looking for the runways to be filled up with airplanes and all these 150... Uh, 150,000 people, 144,000 people are going to board these airplanes and fly over to Petra. 
Well, the closer it got to 72 and nothing was happening. I read the United States and British and prophecy. I read what was going to happen in the world tomorrow and I kept looking for earthquakes and tremendous plagues and nothing happened. And so it was a little bit easier, wasn't it? We started, well, Charles Dorothy said, I probably... 82 or 85. Well, 82 and 85 came and nothing happened. And so the surroundings that we had, at least around me, made it easier to live a human life and put God aside until you get slapped in the face again and say, wake up, you know. Certainly Isaiah 52, 53, where he... Remember Daryl getting up here in a sermon and hitting the sermon and said, Wake up! Oh, you know, made us wake up, didn't we? But are we really awake? We hear a sermonette right now. Do we really fear our God to be wide awake looking for what's going to happen? This day represents what? Beginning of a new life for a lot of people who do not know God. They don't know God. And yet, our opportunity is going to be when they start going aside, they begin to be a little bit sleepy or begin to become a little bit lax, say, tap them on the shoulder and say, no, that's, that's not the way to go. You see, this is the way to go. It's in this book. This is the way that you need to live. Society doesn't do that today. And so we are surrounded so many times by so many things that will lead us astray. Let's turn to Psalms 29. Because I want us to understand that there are, there are things that we need to do if we're going to fear God. Psalm 29. I read this probably about four weeks ago. I was reading through Psalms and I thought of the sermon coming up and it says, Give unto the Lord, O you mighty, give unto the Lord glory and strength. So we here's David who is so attuned to doing things God's way said, Give these things to God. Give honor and glory and praise to Him. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. So we're here to worship the King, aren't we? The Lord of hosts. The one who is to be our husband. The one who will be the one we will come to and work with from now on out. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thunders in the Lord is upon many waters. God's voice, when He sounds His voice, things happen. Do we hear that voice? The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. That's our God. When He speaks, things happen. 
Are we listening? Do we hear it? The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes them also to skip like calves. Lebanon and Zion like a young unicorn. The voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. When God speaks, He can even divide the flames. Can we do that? We have all of man's creation, but all of our creation, as Solomon said, is just a puff of wind, isn't it? It's here today and gone tomorrow. That's man. We're only just here a little for a short period of time to learn to love our God. So the voice of God is very important. When he speaks, things begin to happen. Psalm 33, verse 6. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made. When God spoke, remember there in Job, he talks to the angels, he created the angels, and he opened the heavens to their vision. And what did they do? How oh, well, that's just, that's just another thing God can do. No. When God opened these things to the people, to these spirit beings, these angelic hosts, they shouted for joy because He did something powerful. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them the breath of His mouth. He just spoke. He just said, let this happen. And it did. This is our God. This is the power that God has to create and bring things forth. He gathered the waters of the sea together as a heap. Didn't He not say, you can go this far and that's it. Can we do that? Can men in all of our creation, can we do that? Oh, we put up dams, we put up uh, barricades, we put up Things like down in, uh, uh, I forget what they call them, down there in, in New Orleans. And when a hurricane came in, what happened? It kind of, the levee just kind of washed away, didn't it? We build those things and say, this is it. You can't come any farther. But one hurricane came through and just washed the levee away. So can we command that? Yet God did. He has that kind of power. And to understand His power is important in our life. Let the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. But I hear on the news, not everybody really stands in awe of God. We're trying to find out a way around what God has done. I remember being at NASA, astronauts coming back from outer space, and they looked out there and they said, there is a blue jewel that is home. Yet we can look at Mars and Venus, Jupiter, and any of the other planets. And the only one that's probably accessible to us would be Mars as human beings, because that's, and that's probably not even accessible to us, because it's at least a year there and a year back. So can we carry that much food? We haven't got that kind of technology yet. 
Yet we know here at this planet that our Creator made this planet with wisdom and understanding to the point that you can live. Without the plant life, you would have no oxygen after a period of time. Without breathing animals, the plants would die because there's no carbon dioxide to keep them going. And why is it that the rivers flow into the ocean and the ocean is never full? Because our God created these things, but we're just not ready to accept that as humanity. But here we are, a fantastic opportunity, spending eight days learning how great our God is, that we can sit out there and say, yes, I want to be a part of what you're doing. And the only way to do that is to have that proper fear of our Creator. For he spoke, verse 9, he spoke and it was done, he commanded and it stood fast. When our God speaks, things happen. Are we listening? Are we ready to make those changes in our life? In Job chapter 38 through 40, Job was like so many people. I've got all this knowledge and this understanding. I can do all these things. Can I? I can just do about everything that you want to do. Justified his life. Talked to how great he was. And then God had to speak to Job. 38. Verse 1, And then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? (laughs) Isn't that interesting? How can we make all these statements when we really don't have true knowledge? Because remember in John 17, Christ said, Your word is truth. Your word is what we need to understand. Gird up your loins like a man, for I will demand of you, and you answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Declare if you have any understanding. Let me ask you, where were you? Did God come down and say, Nelson, uh, where do I put the earth today? Or how do I make water? Or what is a human made of? I wasn't there. Because I'm many, 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 many generations down the line, just like you. We're so far down the line from when God did this, it's pathetic. But our God asked Job that very question. Do you really fear God? Can you create a planet? Can you create oxygen? Well, that's an element, isn't it? And so is gold and silver. And all these things are done in a balance. So God, speaking to Job, said, Where were you when I did these things? You know? Our God has that much power that He created all these things, and He can ask us those very things. In verse 7, asking Job, When the morning stars sang together 
And all the sons of God shouted for joy. Where were you? And we add that in there. Where were you when that happened? Or who shut up the sea with the doors when it break forth as if it has an issue out of a womb? When I made the clouds and gathered them together. Oh, what is a cloud anyway? Can you walk on them? I've been in airplanes. I'm sure most of you have too. Well, flew through them and get up above them. It looks like a beautiful white snow cap or snow covered ground, but you can't stand on it. How are they made? That's what was going through because we, like Job, living in a world that's filled with what we make, our cars, our airplanes, our water skis, or whatever, we have all those things. We have our Disney World, Disneyland, Six Flags over whatever state they're in, Bush Gardens. And so many times, and I know it's been that way in the past, we've set our lives to, let's go there. But what does that do for you to respect God? Oh, it's pleasure for the self. But how do you see God in those things? And that's what we're here to learn. To learn to fear God. So God went through 38, 39, and 40 with Job and asked him, Who are you? What can you do? What can mankind do? So God spoke directly to Job. Does he speak to you? We know he spoke to Adam. In Genesis 2, verse 15, God speaking to Adam, the Lord eternal, took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden and to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree you may eat freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat it, there you surely, uh, you, I believe it is, dying will die. So, God spoke directly to Adam. Did it mean anything? Did he really fear God? No. Because the first opportunity, he listened to Satan. He listened to his wife who listened to Satan. And he wasn't man enough to say, that's not what the Father said. That's not what our Creator told us. So did he have that proper respect for God? If he had of, would he have gone contrary? What about me? What about you? What about the world today? Do they hear God? God spoke directly to Noah. Remember? He told Noah in Genesis 13, uh, Genesis 6:13, and God said to Noah, "The end of all flesh has come before me." You know, we're hearing a lot of that today as we read through the scriptures. The end of almost all flesh is before God. Are we listening? Are we saying, "Well, we still have some time." The end of all flesh has come before me. 
For the earth is full of violence uh, through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. We're hearing it, are we not, today on the news? Uh, They've got a new, I think, a new movie coming out. Uh, Has to do with the end of days uh, where they go and they see uh, the Mayan who talk about 2012 and and all these things are going to happen. We hear that. So we really, is it, have it soaked in our minds that this way of life that mankind has today is coming to an end. God told that to Noah. And what did Noah do? He built an ark. Because God said, build you a place of safety. And he did it. We hear that today. Are we building our minds in the safety to be with our Creator. Do we hear God saying to us today, oh, well, you don't hear Him speaking directly because at least I haven't heard Him. Maybe you have heard, but I haven't heard God say, Nelson, wake up. This is what you have to do. We know He spoke to Samuel that way. Samuel was asleep. He heard a voice and said, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel jumped up and ran to Eli. No, I didn't call you, Eli said. Go back to sleep. Samuel, Samuel. Eli, you called me. No, I didn't call you. The third time, Samuel said, say, here I am. What do you want? (laughs) Maybe we don't hear that. But we do if we're listening because it's here. He might be saying Nelson or Charlotte or whatever your name. Put your name there. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm telling you in a lot of different ways. You have to get your act together. Put your feet down. Don't change. So Noah heard it though, didn't he? He heard God speak and Noah built an ark to the specifications that God gave him. To the detail. Because God said, this is what's going to have to be. Noah heard. Noah listened. And Noah responded. God spoke directly to Moses, remember that? We read those scriptures. Moses was up there who had spent 40 years as an Egyptian. Top-ranking, military, had the best education that you could get in Egypt. And God said, now it's time. didn't tell Noah, I mean Moses it was time. He just said, it's time. So then he took Noah, I mean Moses rather, he took Moses and made sure that there was something come up in his life and God was working with it and had him go to the desert. <laughs> Noah, I mean Moses, you need to know who I am. So for 40 more years, he lived in the desert tending sheep. So he knew how to take care of sheep. And one day, out there tending the sheep, when he learned how important it was to handle sheep, how delicate they are, how much they rely on the the shepherd, he was out there tending sheep, and God called him and he said, 
take off your shoes because you're on hallowed ground. Did he walk away? No. He responded because he heard God speak directly to him. And God gave him a job to do and he did that job. And he took the people of Israel as God commanded. He spoke the words that God gave him because he believed God. He believed what was going to happen. It was so impressed in his mind that he did it because he wanted to fear his God. So he brought the people to the desert, to Mount Sinai, and God told Moses to tell the people, three days I'm going to appear before you. And three days later, God gave the nation of Israel the Ten Commandments. They heard God speak. What did they do? Oh, don't let God talk to us anymore. Let Him talk to you, Moses, and you talk to us. We don't want to hear God. We're fearful of God. Not the right fear. That was the, the wrong fear. They didn't want to really fear God. But they heard God speak and they didn't respond. Our job is to hear God through His Word. And are we responding? Do we make the change? We need to do that. They didn't listen. Moses did. Moses heard. Moses changed. The people didn't. God spoke to another man before Moses. He spoke to a man named Abram. He said, Abram, I want you to leave your place of life. I've got something more for you to do. He packed his stuff, his wife, his belongings, his nephew, his servants, his cattle, and left. I look at this group of people sitting here. I can remember hearing in the year 2001... The sermons going through there, which said, and, and you know, it's like the light bulb come on. It said, you are to go out of the cities to the field. And I said, why didn't I hear that before? I've read that. All of you have read that. Many times, maybe. We've heard Revelation 18.4. Come out of Babylon. Leave Babylon. Come away from Babylon. But it wasn't until 2001 in the Feast of Tabernacles where God opened my mind to say, you've got to come to the field. And I see a group of people here who heard that message and who responded. Responded to what he said. Leave your family. Just like Abram did. God again talked to Abram. He said, I want you to take your son. Oh, you had Ishmael, but he said, your son Isaac. Your only son, the one that is going to 
I'm going to use in the future. I'm going to make a multitude of people out of him. Take your son to a place that I will show you and I want you to sacrifice him to me. Now here's a man that feared God because he took his son and a servant and a mule and took the wood and everything that they were going to need, the fire, to sacrifice his son. It must have been difficult. I look out, I have six daughters and two sons. It would have been very difficult for me to take one of mine out there and say, I'm going to sacrifice to God. I question whether I would have had that much faith at that time. But Abraham did. He went out there, got to the close to the place, told the servant, you stay here. Isaac and I are going up to sacrifice. Well, where's the lamb? God will provide. Abraham believed God. He knew his Creator that well that he would take care of that. And when they got up to the place, I'm sure Isaac looked around and said, I don't see no lamb. (laughs) Am I the lamb? They laid the wood out. And Abraham said, "On on the wood. I mean, he must have realized by that time, I'm the sacrifice. Isaac had to have the same kind of faith that his father had, didn't he? He had to have the same respect for his Creator. He had to have been listening for a long time. Because Isaac was probably in his 20s. That means at seven years old, or 10, or 12, or 14, or 16, or 19, he was listening, and he believed, he heard God through his father. Whether God spoke to him or not was not evident. But he believed God through his father who was speaking to him. Abraham heard God, and he responded. And he's called the father of the faithful because he was willing to listen and respond. Remember, it is God who commands and things happen. It is God who said, let there be light. And there was light. It was God who said, let the waters be divided And the waters were divided. It was God who said, let there be plant life, and it grew. It was God who said, let there be animals of this sort and this sort and this sort, and it happened. It was God who said, I will make a human in my image, or in our image, in our likeness, and it happened. So once we understand that, do we really, really ready to listen ourselves to what God has to say? God spoke to to Isaiah, or spoke through Isaiah. He said in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, 
Isaiah 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon the throne high and lifted up, and the train filled the temple. Not only did God speak to Isaiah, he was able to see. You think Isaiah wasn't fearful at that time? You think that when Ezekiel saw that movable throne, well, think the movable throne, what he saw was the angels and stuff that Ezekiel didn't have a proper fear of God, a respect to say, I'm going to make some changes in my life. Well, here Isaiah saw the temple, and above it stood the seraphims. How would we respond? Would we be quaking? In our... Because we've been surrounded, you know, this day and time by movies. And we get a lot of the wrong impression. How many years back was it? Was the Independence Day? Probably a takeoff on Christ returning. And it had mankind so fearful and they fought against God or fought against the alien ship. What's going to happen when Christ really comes? Will they fight against Christ? Because their whole society has led them to believe that this force that's coming is a bad force. Because we're so tuned to man and to Satan that we will not recognize our God when He comes. So here in verse 2, above it stood the seraphim, and each one six wings, and two with two covered his face, and with two covered his feet, and with two he did fly. Must have been a spectacular sight. A fantastic sight. Something that we should take and take note of because we're given the same opportunity and we have to take and see it in our mind's eye and try to picture what Isaiah was viewing. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. A spectacular sight. You think that won't bring the respect that we owe to our God? If you could see that, if you had that vision in your mind, just like Abraham said, he could vision a city that was not made by hands. So he respected God and followed God to the depth of his body. And God made him and called him the Father of Faithful that way. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with the smoke. Then said I, Woe is me! You think you wouldn't say, Oh man, if you saw the seraphim and the cherubim and God and heard God speak, what did Israel do when they heard God speak? They quaked in their boots. They quaked so bad they didn't want to hear God anymore because they didn't really know God. Woe am I, 
For I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. How great that is going to be, to vision in your mind, seeing Christ return. And how much greater would it be when we are able to finally be with the Father and see Him because we will be like Him. Do we fear our God that much that we're ready to make that change? Do we hear Him? Are we hearing the voice of God? Or are we taking it for granted? Then flew one of the seraphim to me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sins have purged. I have sins. I'm sure you have. The scripture says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Here, Isaiah was cleansed through that coal, through his respect for God. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? He heard Christ speak and said, Who can I send to this people, this world? Same thing he said to Noah, didn't he? Who can I send? Noah responded, Noah talked to the people for 120 years. They never listened. Never heard a word. Oh, they heard the words, but they didn't register in their minds. You better repent. You better turn around. Christ is going to restore the earth. Oh, come on. You know, that had to be the attitude. You tell people that today. Oh, come on. That ain't going to happen. We've got science. Science will take care of all that. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Who's willing to accept the challenge? Then said I, Here I am. Send me. The challenge is out to you and to me. We know there's going to be two men that God's going to select. Two people. But they're going to have backers. Those that are willing to see and listen and hear. And say, I hear God. I hear God speak. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to follow and respond. Isaiah said, Here I am, send me. Sometimes I wake up in the morning and I say, well, maybe I'm not ready yet. I need a whole lot more work to be done. But see, it's good that God is in control. It's good that God searches the reins of your heart. He knows who you are. How willing are you? Are you listening to Him? And he said, Go and tell this people, Hear you indeed, but understand not, and see you indeed, but perceive not. 
and make your hearts of this people fat. <laughs> so he can tell them, you can tell them all day long. You're going to make their hearts fat and make their eyes heavy and shut their eyes lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and be converted and be healed. God says, I'm not ready. You know, I'm not ready for all these people to be, to, to be changed yet because they are not ready. Remember Paul in Hebrews, I think it's Hebrews 5. I didn't have that written down. Hebrews 5 and said, uh, let's see. Verse 12, For when for a time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, which are come to such as have need of milk and not strong meat. Are we listening? Are we hearing what Christ... Here Paul came to the Hebrews, these people here, and said, I came to give you meat, but you're not ready for it. Because you haven't been listening. You haven't been working. You haven't been changing. So I've got to give you milk. Most of the church is getting milk. But here, God says, I want to give you more than just milk. I want you to wake up. I want you to turn around. I want you to take strong meat. And I believe that we have been given strong meat here. I've learned a tremendous amount of things. The sermon last week, Never looked at it that way. Strong meat. Because there are people who will say that that's not true. Because their hearts are fat. Their ears are shut. Their eyes are closed. So here's telling us, open your eyes. Open your ears. And listen. And see. And change. Because I've got a lot for you to do yet. Or are we making the change? So God spoke in times past through a number of people. Only a limited number of people, very, very small number of people, actually heard God's voice. We know when Christ went to the mountain and took the three disciples with Him, they heard God. And they became powerful leaders in the future. Christ spoke also. We know He was the one that spoke to Abraham, to Noah, to Adam, to Isaiah, and Jeremiah. Just that limited number of people that He spoke to, Samuel. But when He was on the earth, He spoke to People in Matthew chapter 8, verse 3, or 5, 
Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. And when Christ was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lies at home sick of the palsy, grievous and tormented. Emmanuel said unto him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant will be healed. Here's a man who wasn't an Israelite, who said, all you have to do is speak, and it will happen. Do we have that kind of faith that this centurion had? To say, all that we need is to have God speak, because it will happen. For I am a man under authority, and having soldiers under me, and I say to him, go, and and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to a servant, to do this or to do that. And they do it. And when Emmanuel heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Truly I say to you, I have not found so great a faith, no, not in Israel. Do we have that kind of faith ourselves? To believe that if Christ speaks, it will happen. It is Christ who said, because we can go back to John 1 and read where it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and all things were made by Him and for Him. So when the Word spoke, it happened. Verse 11, And And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into utter darkness, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So those fallen angels have a grave destiny in front of them, don't they? Their outlook is not what we want. And Emmanuel, uh, and Emmanuel said to the centurion, Go your way, and you, as you have believed, so will it be done to you. And his servant was healed in the same hour. When God commands, things happen. He wants them to happen. In Mark chapter 1, verse 25, Jesus again speaking, and Emmanuel broke, uh, rebuked him, saying, Hold your peace, come out. Here's where he cast a demon out of a, out of a person. And when the unclean spirit had uh, left him and cried with a loud voice, he came out. And they were all amazed insomuch that 
they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commands he even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. Demons obeyed God. When he spoke, they responded. Why is it so difficult for humanity to hear God speak and we take it lightly? This feast is an opportunity for us to change, to grow, to hear, to draw so close to our Creator that when He speaks, we believe it's going to happen. Not only do we believe it, we know it as a fact. I have many other quotes that Christ shows. Every time he spoke, things happened. God speaks, things began to happen. Well, what about today? We know he spoke to Adam, spoke to Moses. We know he spoke to a few number of people directly. We know he spoke to the disciples in his time. But what about today? Is he speaking to us? Go to Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 7. Nehemiah chapter 7. About us today. Can we hear God speak to us? Chapter 7, verse 73. And the priests and the Levites and the potters and the singers and some of the people and the Nephinims and the Israelites dwelt in their cities. And when the seventh month was come... The children of Israel were in their cities. Verse Chapter 8, verse 1. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the streets that were before the water gate. And they spoke unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both men and women, and all that could hear and understand upon the first day of the seventh month. They opened God's Word on the first day of the seventh month. And He read thereupon the streets that was before the water gate from morning until noonday. That was a long time, more than an hour, more than 30 minutes. He spoke to them from morning until noonday, before the men and the women and those that could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, which they had made for the purpose, that purpose, and beside him stood, and he gives the names of those that were with him. And Ezra, verse 5, And Ezra opened the book in the sight of the people. He opened the Bible that they had at that time in sight of the people. For he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. They were standing when he opened the book. 
And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their face toward the ground. And he goes on to show that they not only that, in verse 8, and they read in the book of the law distinctly and gave the sense. In other words, like we have today, they read the Word of God and made it where we could understand it as God moved their minds. So for us today, is God speaking to us? These people felt God was speaking to them. They stood up, they bowed their heads, and they worshipped their God. Second Peter 1. Second Peter 1. For us today, do we hear God speak to us? Second Peter 1, verse 17. For He received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to Him from the excellence of glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. This is talking about the time when those three disciples were there on the mount with Christ and they heard the Father's voice say, this is my beloved Son whom I am well pleased. Not proud, but well pleased. And this voice came from heaven. We heard. So here's Peter saying, I was there. I heard it. And when uh, we were with him in the holy mountain. And we have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light which shines in a dark place until the day dawn, the day star rises in your heart. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. Here, it's, it's anybody's ideas it's from their own mind. You know, they're not writing a novel. They're not writing a fiction thing. This was implanted in their mind. For the prophecies came not in old time by the will of men. That emphasizes it wasn't just interpretation. It wasn't their own personal ideas. It came not in old times by the will of men, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. These people wrote things for us today. And if we're ready to hear, if we're ready to listen, we're ready to respond, we can say, yes, I hear God speak. Just as Moses and many others in the past heard the voice of God as Peter heard God's voice, we can hear it too. Because he told us here that this is done for our benefit. We have eight days, eight opportunities. There's going to be, I think, 12 speeches, 12 sermons. 
If we have our ears opened and our, to hearing and our eyes open to see, we can read it and see it with our eyes and our ears hear it, are we ready to respond? The world won't. They're not ready. You could go out there and put a soapbox out like they used to do and stand on it in the street corner of a busy street and tell them all these things are going to happen and you'd be laughed at because they can't understand it. They don't know that their God is there. They don't, they don't understand it. But God has said to you, when I speak, things happen. When I say it's going to be done, it's going to be done. And whether it's creating this planet or a human being, or whether it's calling you to be a part of the very family of God, to be at the Godhead, that's spectacular. We're going to be in the seat with Christ right beside Him if we open our ears and we respond. We open our eyes and we see the vision that Abraham and Isaiah Jeremiah and Peter, James, John. If we listen, if we're looking, it's there. Do you hear God's voice? Are you ready to change?